The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. There are business leaders that are making so much more than profit in their enterprises. They're elevating their businesses, teams, and themselves to add more value, and so can you. Welcome to the Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. If you are looking for ways to elevate success while contributing to a better world, you'll want to listen for the next hour. Now here's your host, Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper and welcome to the uh, Business Elevation Show on Voice America. It's great to be back with you again for uh, another week. Uh, firstly, before I introduce my guest today, I'd like to say a huge thank you to uh, to Steve Trister, who joined me last week. Uh, Steve it was a, a fabulous guest and was talking with me about uh, executive communication, about the importance of executives learning how to uh, really communicate more effectively in their organizations and he shared some great tips uh, about how to how to do that really and the, the kind of programs that he runs with companies all over the place helping their executives to be, become great um, communicators. So today we've got a, a different topic and uh, another great guest. Uh, my guest today is Jeremy Bowley. And we're going to talk about uh, a subject that we haven't really spoken about much on this program before, but it's uh, a subject quite close to my heart as I spent a number of years myself in the procurement area. So we're going to talk about disruptive procurement uh, in action. Uh, Now, we often talk, um, obviously, about sales on the show. However, if you want to increase profitability in organization, you've also got to consider your costs. Now, Joby Bowley has a huge passion for procurement. He's been responsible for delivering procurement process improvement in many, many successful companies. He's an experienced chief procurement officer himself. He's worked in um, in property, uh, food and drinks, facilities management, all sorts of different spend areas. In fact, with over 50 companies now over the past 14 years. Uh, he's delivered huge value by improving processes, by uh, improving supplier selection, improving terms. But what I really like about him is he's not just about going in and, and, and slashing the cost base. It's about doing things in a very uh, creative way. And I actually know that all of this is absolutely true because um, – a number of years ago, um, he was actually a young and up-and-coming star in my own procurement team. So um, I've worked with Jeremy for a number of years, and I can assure you he's a great guy. And he's gone on to great things, and his organization inside of procurement are really, really growing uh, quickly uh, and doing very well, adding a lot of value. Um, so we're going to discuss his latest ebook today. It's about dis- uh, disruptive procurement and some of the insider secret procurement tactics that have literally saved millions for his clients. So a huge welcome uh, to um, to procurement expert and I would say my friend as well, Jeremy Bowley. Hi, Chris. Good to be here. Uh, Jeremy, great to have you on the show, and um, it's it's lovely. We've known each other for a lot of years now, and uh, it's great to have a, an opportunity to talk about what you do and about um, the value that you add and to give people ideas and thoughts around procurement. Uh, A question I often ask people 
um, just to show that you're human and not just a, a sort of superhero hero in your uh, in your area uh, that is beyond reach. Um, let's find out a little bit about your life. You know, what was life like for you growing up, and what on earth got you interested in this area of procurement? Wow, what what a great question, Chris. Um, I think I had a fairly comfortable life growing up. Grew up in the in the, in, in the UK uh, in the Midlands, pretty normal family and probably quite an uneventful uh, sort of childhood. I think like a lot of people, I left school and went to university with no real idea of what I wanted to do. I think all I knew that I wanted to do was not get involved in sales. And I remember having a conversation with my um, with my father and saying, there's only one thing I don't want to do and that's sell photocopiers. So from there, I had a great time at university and I think I did all the things that, that most people, most young people do. Um, but then it was time to grow up and, and try and decide what I wanted to do. And, I, and I, I really loved the idea of doing deals and trading and getting out of the office and seeing different businesses and seeing different organizations. And I think procurement, therefore, if I wasn't going to do sales, was probably the next best thing that allowed me to get out, meet people, see different things, travel. I've uh, been fortunate, really, to, to travel the globe and uh, meet a lot of interesting people and see a lot of really great businesses. So I guess at the heart of it all, and what really got me interested in procurement was a real interest in people um, and wanting to do that. And procurement was just really a means to an end, and it, and it wasn't sales. <laughs> it's, it's quite funny you should say that, actually. Do you know, when, when I, I actually turned down a job when I was going through the sort of graduate um, uh, milk route, and it was selling photocopiers. Right, so okay. there you go. So we share something in common. I never did sell photocopiers. Um, so how – I did go into selling, though. Um, and that's quite interesting, having that experience on both sides of the fence. But how do you define procurement? And we're, we're talking about disruptive procurement here. So what is procurement and what makes it disruptive? Okay, so um, – Every business is involved in procurement, or pretty much every business is involved in procurement, because that's buying in any goods and services that you need to make the organization operate and, uh, and work. So that can be simple stuff. You know, it can be office supplies. It can be complicated stuff. It can be assemblies. Uh, in some cases, it, it, it represents 70, 80% of the turnover of a, of a business goes back out through the supply chain in some way. So I like to think of procurement as being the process that a business goes through to get all the resources it needs to deliver the service or, or the product for the client and all those things that basically aren't the staff and the organization that you are managing yourself. So yeah, I mean, it, for lots and lots of business, it is one of the biggest single levers to improve performance. Um, uh, and that's the essence of, uh, uh, of what procurement is. I think... Um, it's changed in the last probably 10, 15 years and started to grow up. So procurement used to be in a lot of businesses the way that we ordered photocopier paper. Um, often used to get called buying or purchasing. So it's a real transactional thing, a sort of black hole in finance. Uh, it started to really become uh, a way in which organizations can get some real strategic advantage and, uh, and to improve the services that they offer to the customers. So I think procurement's become far more than buying now. It's become a really strategic function. And for those businesses that get it, and there are an increasing number of those, it's an opportunity to improve the product, 
the service that you offer to your customers uh, and to improve profitability. I think to the second part of your question, Chris, um, around when is it disruptive uh, is, a, is, is a really great point. Procurement can absolutely be disruptive and it can absolutely be not disruptive. So if you think about the things that any organization buys, if you just go and buy the same things that you bought last year and you just think about negotiating a better price or a slightly better service or buying a different color, then that's absolutely not disruptive. Procurement has grown, I think, in its maturity. And, and, and now it has the ability to move the organization on. And I think that it's at that point when it becomes disruptive. So I guess to use a, a good example, I think, and it's topical. So Apple have obviously released a, a new iPhone. Um, as part of that process, Apple will have needed to engage with a whole bunch of suppliers. They didn't make the phone themselves. All that's contracted out. So all of that needs to be procured in some way. And Apple therefore needed to understand um, how and what the supply chain could deliver. So in essence, they had a vision, I think, and uh, to move away from the old-fashioned smartphones. I don't know if you remember the Blackberries with loads of features and buttons and, and deliver a completely different concept with iPhone. And procurement plays a real central role in that because it has to go out and find the people, find the organizations who can make that happen because products services now are sophisticated they're complicated and when an organization uses procurement to go out in the supply chain to find the most exciting new ways of doing things the new innovations the new ideas the new concepts new things that can make a real difference then that's when procurement becomes disruptive and, and i like to say it's when procurement plays a role in shifting the proposition that the customer receives and when it goes well you know with iphone you sell millions of units then procurement's truly disruptive so so why don't call it then smart procurement that's a really good question so i i, I don't think smart would be a big enough word i don't think it would say we're making changes we're making a difference you can be smart in the way that you buy a photocopier but you is pretty difficult to be disruptive in the way that you buy a photocopier uh, i'm sure someone will now prove me wrong and i'll get 47 messages telling me uh, how you can be disruptive doing that but i think yes you can do things in a smart way and you can be clever um, but you're disruptive when you change the game uh, and, and that's the critical difference so if you're adding incremental value to the customer proposition and you're using procurement to do it that's just disruptive procurement smart procurement's just kind of being good at this you know, are the basics of buying and the basics of, of getting the job done. Yeah, yeah. So, so I suppose what it, uh, it kind of needs with an organisation is a lot of flexibility and that sort of thing to to cope with uh, having to, or, you know, completely changing a proposition um, because you've seen it out there in the marketplace. And uh, um, so it, it needs quite agile people. It, it could probably be quite disruptive if they're not agile to the to the to the personnel. Um, they've got to adjust. Yeah, so uh, the concept of um, agility is a big thing in business at the moment. And, and we've definitely started to see a more of a focus from businesses on, a, on agility and their supply chains being more agile and being able to better respond to changing customer needs. 
I saw again on the mobile phone kind of theme. I saw an advert the other day or uh, a front of a, a Time uh, magazine. I think it said, you know, Nokia is the biggest phone manufacturer in the world, and that's changed massively in that time. And it, you forget sometimes how rapidly the world changes. So agility is as important as anything else. And some of the really smart companies who are being disrupted through procurement now are not measuring procurement on how much money did you save last year look hey that's important and um, and and that will never go away because it's a huge driver for, for for profitability but they are measuring agility how quick can we get this product out to market can we beat our competitors to the punch and if we're using our supply chain as part of our proposition and that's true for almost every business then your ability to make stuff happen quickly is just as important and in some cases more important um, than just looking at cost yeah it, it, it sounds like you know procurement's really shifted from you know when, when you and i used to work together and we had big cost-based reduction targets to to hit and and i kind of wonder today you know what do people need to be really demonstrating today to be a true procurement expert so i'm sort of thinking now about um you know, procurement departments in in organisations. What what do they really need to demonstrate? What's the qualities today? Uh, I, there's a lot of qualities. Uh, I'll try and pick out a couple that I think are really important and will be, be be useful. So, the first thing is the ability to get on with people and get stuff done. And you know, it you've written a book on it, Chris. So, um, I, I I think that's absolutely key. So. Procurement is a pragmatic exercise. It is about making a difference in the business and achieving things and implementing things. So that absolutely has to be the first thing. You've got to, in procurement, deal with a lot of people internally and a lot of stakeholders. So the ability to get on with people and make stuff happen, very tempting to be just a really difficult so-and-so in procurement and think that that's a good way of operating and drive value, but but it doesn't, actually. We find, and I've, we've done some research on it, that generally speaking people who are hard and difficult get a um, get a worse deal and they actually get less out of the supplier so i'd say that was uh, that that was really important uh, and the final piece is, is 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 a bit of insight is knowledge the an understanding of in the markets that you're buying what good looks like so if you're buying a, a product then if you know what price you should be paying and you know what a good service looks like, it's much easier to get there. And I think that makes you a procurement expert, the ability to get stuff done, work with people, go through difficult times and and having the insight. And I think if you can combine those things, it's a potent combination. And I think you can probably tentatively start calling yourself an expert. It seems that larger companies, you know, they often work really hard to consolidate their supply bases. And I often wonder, that can be at the expense to small companies. I remember you know, putting in almost three months of, uh, of a time period, working hard to win a, a great contract with a, a, a customer, a big bank, and which they absolutely loved, which they all, you know, people all agreed to. And uh, then procurement stepped in at the last minute and said, ah, we've got a, a huge supplier who can do this. We've got a retrospective rebate on, so it needs to go to them. And, and I kind of felt that they lost a lot of creativity and opportunity as a consequence. And, you know, um, I lost a, a, a great opportunity as well. Um, I, I, is that a good thing to keep consolidating? And, and you know, sh- should you always do that at the expense of small companies? 
where do you end up if you keep consolidating? I think it's the message I often talk to people about. And there is something to be said for that. If you can consolidate things and you can build up your spend, you can get a better deal for sure. And you can make things simpler in your business. And, and I can see some benefits. And there is a time and a place for it. But you can throttle innovation. You can throttle the you can, you can get less out of some of the big suppliers sometimes. And there's some amazing small companies out there who are doing things differently. And if you overlook that, you're, do, you're not doing your job in procurement. You need to think, how do I get the best out of the supply chain? Not just, how do I um, consolidate everything? Because there's kind of no end. Because once you've consolidated, you've handed power to the one supplier that you're dealing with who can then, in many cases, pretty much demand what he wants from you. And that's changing the buying relationship. Regularly talk to people about how can you get the best out of your supply chain? Who are the innovators? And that is not necessarily the big companies. And and quite regularly, it isn't. It's the smaller businesses. Some industries do this really well. So in the UK, so construction does this really well. Some of the tech companies do this really well, working with smaller businesses, often startups, um, to make a difference. And I think procurement has a huge role uh, in doing that and in making that happen. It has to focus on removing the barriers rather than putting them in place, which it sounds like what happened uh, when you were last involved in that. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> but all, um, you know, all really good uh, good stuff there, Jeremy. And I think, uh, it is, I think it's an important question and uh, I, remember, I remember you and I probably remember a relationship that something we worked on years ago. It was a maintenance company in the pub industry, and, and actually, they were given far too much. Uh, and uh, even the account, I remember the account director having a break, nervous breakdown. Um, they'd taken on too much. They promised so much. Service went down, uh, and uh, as you, you know, the only point to really improve that was just to keep hitting them and hitting them until uh, eventually it improved. But uh, I think you've got to be a bit careful, haven't you, about where, how you, you spread your resources. So we're going to go to commercial break now. Um, after the commercial break, we're going to talk about um, uh, you know, about managing supplier performance and um, various uh, implications of, of cost reduction, all that sort of thing. So we'll be back again with you in just a couple of minutes. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high-potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high-return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program, one-to-one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. 
If you hear a dog barking or an angel singing, then you know that you are listening to Waking Up in America. Heard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific Time, Valerie Kirkard and all of her friends will bring you powerful and humorous discussions that raise thoughts and give you insight on how to live your life to its fullest potential. Adventure is always a must on Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper with Jeremy Bowley. We're talking about disruptive procurement. Uh, Now, Jeremy, I used to work years ago in a function which was called supplier development. They didn't call it procurement, uh, but it was the procurement department for a big confectionery firm. And I wonder, uh, I, th- I thought it was quite interesting that the focus there was supply development, not cost reduction, as was the case in some later companies that we worked with. But I wonder today, you know, what's the best practice around managing supplier performance? I think that's quite enlightening that you uh, worked in supplier development. And I like that. You're right. There's an awful lot of focus on cost. So, and it's a great question because however cheaply you buy something, it's kind of not really worth anything unless you're getting this performance out of your suppliers. So the costs to you as a business, if you can't get the products or services when you need them in the way that you need them, impacts your ability to deliver to your customer. So it's really, really important to get supplier performance right. Um, your question, I guess, was on, was on, was on best practice. That can be quite dependent on the type of organization it is and and the scale and what you're doing. What I'd say is the most important thing is spend time with your suppliers and listen to them. If you're a a small business, then that's quite easy to do. As you get bigger, that becomes a lot harder. So what I would say is even if there's no formal program in place, and I'll talk about that a bit more in a moment, Um, just spending time with people helps manage performance because you hear what life is like on the front line. You hear the frustrations and a lot of them can be a really easy solve. So I'd encourage anybody to do that. And I often say, if you're not spending as a procurement person or, or or, or a buying person a good three days out of the office a week, then you're probably not looking after your suppliers enough. Um, So I I would absolutely do that because it all comes down to the, simple things at the end of the day which is people do business with people so if you're spending time with those suppliers who who you know mostly will care about your business and, and and care about you as a customer then you've got a fighting chance of putting out any fires and issues that you've got with them uh, pretty quickly but let's assume for the time being that you're doing that uh, and, you, and you're out the office and you're seeing people you're spending time with them one of the key things you have to do as with so many things in business and in life is, is make sure you've got some way of measuring what, where you are now. So I'd encourage anybody who's involved in that to come up with some really simple measures of what good looks like and aim to improve them. And I think then it comes back to spending time with the suppliers and investing in that relationship and saying, look, getting my deliveries on time in my bakery is really, really important to me. That's essential. 
because if I don't have my uh, products on time, I can't get my products to my customers on time. So that's really important to me. So what, let's agree what that looks like and let's put some KPIs around it, some key performance indicators around it. And they can be pretty simple. So I think if you, it, I would really focus on doing that, figuring out the, the three or four things that are really important to you in the way that you deliver your product or your service and put some good measures in place. Very easy to make that a stick to beat people with. Um, and I'd, I'd, I'd guard against that. If you've got suppliers who are not delivering and not giving you what you want, there's a very good chance they'll want to be doing that. So have the conversation, talk to them and say, what's getting in, what's getting in the way? What's the impediment? What's the constraint? What can I do as a customer to help you give me a better service? And we've found that so, so many problems can be solved and things can be moved for, forward so much better by taking that approach and hey it's a lot more fun than than shouting at people um which is a traditional view of buying that i'm sure i'm sure many people have uh, have experienced before yeah i I think that you make some really good points there and there is a you know there's an agility that's required isn't there uh, in terms of behavior with with buyers because you're right, uh, I think the supermarket buyers also were you know, particularly known for that. You know, they, where the powers on on their side to kind of shout and yell and be awkward, um, but you know, don't abuse that. Uh, the, you know, I think it's important to seek first to understand, isn't it? And by spending time with your suppliers, you you start to understand what life's like in their shoes. And actually, often when I, I used to facilitate a lot of lot of appraisals between. Um, you know, suppliers and their internal customers. And often and I would find myself, um, you know, sitting emotionally on the side of the supplier because the behavior of the customer was actually at times pretty awful. Yeah, I mean, who comes to work to do a bad job So and let their customers down? I, I would hope, and in my experience, very few people fall into that bracket. So the vast majority of the time, problems and issues are, are the result of lack of understanding, maybe incentives not being aligned. Sometimes people just not getting on with each other and, and, and some pretty simple steps can make a massive impact in the relationship and in, and in performance. And so all the time you spend around investing in those relationships, getting to know the people better, uh, will pay dividends. Uh, it's almost, uh, you can't overplay it enough, really. Um, you're very, very unlikely to, to spend too much time doing that now, now cost reduction uh, it can often come and result uh, the the effect of it in terms of reduced service you know cutting down on services and i think governments is a good example with government where you know they've, they've cut costs and cut budgets not really understood the implications and you know service in you know hospitals and you know general uh, gp practices and you know, garbage disposal, all these sorts of things that, you know, they, they've had a huge impact. And I wonder how do you, um, you know, disruptively perhaps uh, reduce cost, uh, but also increase service at the same time? It's a tough gig for sure. It's an easy option to just go after cost and just take things away. Because clearly by doing that, you take cost out and that can be really positive uh, for a lot of businesses. Because ultimately, if you can do it and you can maintain the same selling price, then, you know, you're making more profit. So it, 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 it's a good thing to do in that respect. 
if you cut without understanding, and I think, Chris, in, in the way you described that, you, you got it absolutely right, which is if you cut without understanding, then you risk making some bad decisions. So if you were to continually chip away at the service or the, or the product that you're offering in the name of cost savings alone, whilst you might get some short-term benefits to profitability, you're probably going to start eroding either the goodwill with your customers or potentially and, and quite often the goodwill with the staff in your business because you know those elements of the service are no doubt important to them. You can reduce cost and increase service, but it's a question, I think, of buying the right service and understanding what the needs of the organization and ultimately the needs of the end customer are. And if you do that really well, you can start to remove waste and frustration. And if you look at um, a lot of the writing on Lean and the way that Toyota work and a lot of Japanese thinking in this space, then that points very, very centrally to that because reducing cost often is about taking away things that aren't adding value. And that's really positive. You can then reinvest that money in the things that do matter. So thinking of it from a customer perspective, if we were, say, to reduce inventory costs and logistics costs by just being a bit cleverer about how we did things and holding less stock and moving less lorries around, we could probably take some of that money and reinvest that into the customer service and into the things that our customers cared about. And from that, we could probably help our organization improve significantly. So again, I'd hope that that's a disruptive way of thinking. It's thinking about how procurement adds value but you can absolutely reduce cost and increase service. You just need to really understand what the purpose of that expenditure is, what the business wants, and design something which delivers an improvement and delivers ultimately a better a better proposition to both the customer and to the business. Excellent. Um, I, uh, I really liked in your book uh, how you describe the evolution to stagnation of procurement departments. Uh, could you explain this and what you do about it? Every business, every type of organization has the ability to stagnate. So I'm just saying, this isn't just procurement. This is everybody, right? So sales team, finance team, small businesses, big businesses. If you're not taking time out to look at new ways of doing things and you're not getting different perspectives, then that's when that risk of stagnation happens. If you're spending lots of time with all the same people and almost a consensus of opinion starts to emerge. So and and that's when things can really start to stagnate. And that's when your competitors can easily steal a march on you. So if they're out in the market looking at new ways of doing things and saying, hey, look, I'm running a, uh, a, a hospital business. Uh, what can I learn from the hotel business about? building and constructing a, a, a hotel room. So uh, if, if you're not doing those sorts of things, then you're, then you're certainly missing uh, opportunities. And what you can do about it, it just comes down to spending time with people. It comes down with getting out of the office, going and seeing what good looks like, thinking about the other industries which have similar challenges to you. I don't know about you, but I, I always find that there are very, very few times in my life when I've come across a problem that's completely unique that someone hasn't solved before. So I would really encourage anybody to say, there must be somebody out here who solved this. What can I do to find that person and to ask them how they did it? Because you can spend an awful lot of time 
making the same mistakes that somebody else has made. Most people are pretty good at sharing what they've done, particularly when it's gone well. And there's a lot of information and a lot of knowledge and intelligence out there. So if you can think carefully about who might face those problems, go and speak to them because you will leap forward significantly in your understanding of how it can be solved. And plenty of uh, we've got plenty of examples of people who've solved some pretty nutty problems with a phone call to someone who's been there before. Mm. I, I thought so. one of the things I sort of took from that, which I thought was was interesting, you, you, you talked in there about how procurement departments often you know, they, they define categories for buyers to work, you know, maybe some people are buying ingredients, some buying marketing, some are buying services. And then typically on those categories, what they do is they then look at the suppliers they've got, they start to cut the suppliers and reduce and consolidate and, uh, and, and take out cost reduction. And then you end up with, you know, all of these uh, individual um, pots of spend, which have been consolidated, you know, down to lowest cost, um, but it's you know it, it's not really being managed in a in a, in a sort of disruptive way. It's it's more you know, shifted down to the lowest common denominator, if that makes sense. Um, and I just thought that was kind of quite interesting because that's how often a lot of departments do go. So where can they take it from there? That's the. You need to think carefully about what you're really buying. So if you think about, say, marketing, you mentioned there. Mm. So if you think about marketing, what, you know, you're the marketing buyer for a major corporation. What are you buying? Are you buying the service of a marketing agency or are you buying customers? Are you buying interest in your proposition? And I think if you start to think about it that way, then you start to open up to more possibilities of how this problem can be solved. And I think that's where, again, you know, that's a disruptive way of thinking about it, saying, look, we've got a budget here of X million dollars or X million pounds, and I need to think about how I get the very best out of that expenditure. So two kind of steps to this. One, go back into the business and say, what do you really want? So, you know, I'm sure most marketing departments, for example, would be pretty pretty good at telling you what that looked like and, and what they want to achieve and what they want to get to. So then go back out to the suppliers and saying, well, you know, how can we achieve this? What can you do? What are the new ways of doing things? What are the things that are making a real difference and you're seeing success in elsewhere? And then the job of procurement is to make those two things happen, is to take the best of what the supply chain can offer and match that back up with, with, with the business needs. Do you have an example of that? Yeah, I mean, all, all of the time. So we've done it recently with a client where we went through a fairly standard procurement review process. And what we found was that the specifiers in the business, the people that wanted the service, had never, ever spoken to any suppliers. We said, you know, when did you last go and see them? And they said, well, they come to our office once a quarter for a review. I said, how long does it last? They said, well, we usually cancel it. <laughs> so... um what we did was we just got them to spend time with the suppliers. We, we, we took them to the suppliers' premises, who then proudly showed them all the great things they were doing with their competitors. And they said, hey, we could do with some of that. So that fundamentally transformed that relationship. And what started to happen, and it's great to see, is that the um, supplier is now becoming an extension of that team rather than simply someone that you have to spend money with to get stuff done. Okay. 
And, and that's what you really want as a supplier, isn't it? You want to become an extension to that team. Um, you know, it, it, it's lovely. People often like working in teams and like working together. And those people who you know, see you in that way, um, you give more, don't you? You give more of your time and ideas. And Well, this is what I got into procurement in the first place. I, I think I said at the start, I really wanted to just meet people because I found that interesting. So that, you know, if you get that going, it's an exciting place to be. You know, you can go out and see lots of different ways of doing things. And if you're in an international business, then you've got the opportunity to travel and see some new cultures and you can learn a huge amount from that and the business ultimately benefits. I agree. I think some of my most fun jobs actually were in, in procurement and running European teams and things like that and visiting factories. And I, I miss that. I really do. Now, there are often uh, difficult decisions that companies face around whether to repair and replace kit. Uh, what's your view on this? Uh, yeah, I agree that it's an absolutely difficult decision. Um, very, very tempting for organizations to sweat assets. And you can see that in you know, if you go to many uh, hospitality businesses, so uh, hotels and restaurants, you often see things that looks a bit worn out. Uh, I think, again, it just comes back to understanding what the business requirements are. If a place looking very neat and tidy is critical to your customer, then you should have a pretty aggressive replacement program you should make sure that, that works but actually if you can get away without replacing the kit and you're not spending the money and, and and doing repairs and that's great but you absolutely need to take time to understand what the objective is and if you can get some asset life stats around it and you can get some information there will be a good way of doing this in in your industry or with the product that you're buying that somebody else has solved so uh, again i'd magpie on this i'd go and steal that idea from somebody else who's doing it really really well Brilliant. great well we're uh, coming to, up to commercial break again um, after the commercial break we're going to look at um uh, things like you know processes and you know re-engineering uh, the way that we do things not just uh, about um reducing costs as such but reducing costs in the way that we um, function and utilize services uh, we'll also have a, a look at um, you know how do you start a brand new procurement department and uh, and those sorts of things and uh, we'll have a chat about how Jeremy helps his clients uh, with the work that they do so uh, do hang on we're just going to be uh, having a couple of minutes of break and then we shall be back with you From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program. One-to-one mentoring and coaching facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. From the boardroom to you. 
Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper. I'm with Jeremy Bowley. We're talking about disruptive procurement. And uh, Jeremy, it seems that procurement functions, they they can get fixated on managing suppliers and reducing costs. And uh, I do, you know, think, and I was prompted by your ebook as well, uh, that, uh, you know, you should also be looking, um, if you want to disrupt, to really re-engineering processes as well uh, to help you reduce costs because sometimes... You know, we uh, we may be inefficient in the way that um, things occur. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit about that, and maybe you know examples that you've got of where you've worked on um, process and uh, and improved uh, you know uh, the scenario, the service for the customer, and uh, and also reduce costs at the same time. Yeah, sure. So it is really easy to get fixated on on the sort of traditional kind of procurement things. Let's just save you know, 5% on this or 5% on that. And and it's really easy to overlook that the things that you buy as a business are part of a wider value chain, are part of a wider process. So they're going to get used. So for example, if you're running a production unit, you're buying some stuff in, some raw materials in, they're coming in, and then some guys are going to have to do some work on it in order to churn out the project product at the end. So Procurement, the buying piece, is just one step in the process. So the way you organize that and the way you do that has a massive impact on other costs. So if, for example, you were to order everything in in a really awkward packaging format where every single material you came in had to be unpacked, that would result in massive costs in your business of labor. So you'd have a load of guys who'd have to take every single item out of the packaging before it could be used. So a really simple example of how you do that is you'd start to say to the supplier, do I really need to have this delivered with each individual item wrapped? So if you think about it in those terms, the way that you buy, what you buy and how you buy it can make a real big impact on on, on your overhead costs and on the cost of the staff that you have. It, it can indeed be a bit wider than that as well, because if you're selling a product or a service that then needs to be looked after by you later on and you may have some warranties that you give to your customers or or you may have to maintain something for a period of time again what you buy and how you buy it again has has a real impact so you've got to think about procurement and you've got to think about what you buy as part of the process of your business as part of how you add value and once you've got your head around that then the re-engineering processes things just comes to the fore because you start to ask yourself the question okay, so I can get this item 10% cheaper, but the way that we're buying this or the format in which we're buying this is creating X cost in my business. And if you've got a good management accountant and you spend some time looking at the cost to serve and the cost to deliver each of the um, products or services in your business, then you start to get a, a bit of a baseline and you stand a fighting chance of picking those apart. So, Absolutely. You can save a huge amount of money re-engineering processes and 
if I'm completely honest with you, and I don't tell everybody this, so uh, you can save more money re-engineering processes and you can add more value to your business than you can just by taking 10% out of the cost of a widget. That's, that's not necessarily that exciting. If you can start saying, well, actually, I need 20% less labor to turn out this project, this product now, then that can have a transformative effect on the profitability of the organization. It can help you grow. And if you're, like many businesses, cash constrained, freeing up those people, freeing up that capital um, can really help you, really help you grow your grow your business very, very quickly. So I think prices are absolutely as important, if not more important, than the price of the item or, or, or the basics of supplier management. Yeah. I think um, what well, that's sparked up for me, one of the things that um, you know, myself and my business uh, see as being very important, uh, Jeremy, and people listening, is engagement. And having people who are, are engaged, who are, you know, really giving more of themselves because they they love what they do, uh, and you know the research suggests that um, really engaged people generate forty three percent more value uh, than a disengaged person. But also, you know, I've been reading examples where you know a, a, an engagement program's occurred, and um, and the the time it's taken to build a fighter plane, for example, has been reduced by twenty five percent through uh, you know investing in the development of of, of people uh, and the team. Um, so I, I think um, you know, getting people on board and uh, and getting people in, engaged who are who are uh, delivering these kind of services and engage with suppliers. I think there's a you know there's, there's a real opportunity in there uh, to generate more. Yeah, it, it comes back to what we were talking about before, and uh, very occasionally you'll hear me say you know suppliers are people too. So uh, it, it, people want to come to work to do a good job, as we talked about before, and they want to come to work to. Um, do something meaningful. So if you're involved in a bit of the business and you think, crumbs, this is really pointless, it's not really adding any value to the end product, and you can probably see that, and quite often you, you know, those people will be able to see that, but they won't want to say anything because it impacts their jobs or, 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 or the way that they operate, then um, you've got, if you can engage that community, then you've got a fantastic opportunity to um, uh, to get a whole bunch of brains in the game, a whole bunch of people who can help you work through how we work, work through the processes in our businesses uh, and drive out some cost and drive up uh, performance. Uh, and why wouldn't you want to do that? Uh, there's so, so many opportunities, I think, when you get it right with the people to get more. And, and that applies to suppliers and that applies to the people in your own businesses, just the same. Yeah, I think also um, it it's I think it's about choosing the right people uh, in into your buying team and getting the right you know making sure that uh, the people that you bring in are in their flow engaging with suppliers because they're not just coming they're not just highly analytical and introverted um, category experts they're able to engage with people uh, as well as really understand from a uh, a grounded level what the what the actual situation is in that marketplace so i think you have to be careful around uh, selecting the right people into into your team uh, and have the right characteristics because um uh, sometimes the wrong characters are recruited oh uh, absolutely and I, I think in procurement we have been guilty of fostering some of the wrong types of people so uh, if you anyone you know, if you've been involved in selling and chris i know you know this 
you come across those aggressive buyers that we talked about. You come across those people who want to shout about, give me a better price, give me a better deal, and who don't get it. Those people don't get great deals. People don't enjoy engaging with them. They're not fun people to have around. And and you know what? Suppliers disengage from that really quickly. So when they've got a great idea of this is how we can help you improve your business, who are they going to take it to? Your competitor who treats them with respect, values their ideas, isn't soft because we don't, you know, you wouldn't want soft people in your business, but isn't really hard and difficult and obnoxious either. Um, that's absolutely what you need to get. You need to get people who are going to draw out the very best ideas. And I think we're starting to see that being more valued in procurement now. We're, people are starting to get that more. And again, it comes back to what we talked about earlier, which is procurement has a massive impact in businesses now. People get that. People understand that. And therefore, there's a race to the best ideas. There's a race to get the most out of the suppliers. And you're going to get that if you have great people. And if you don't have great people, hey, they're going to go to, they take those ideas, take those new innovations and those things that could help you grow to your, grow your business to your competitors. And that can't be a good thing. So if you're, uh, there's maybe some companies that are listening right now who um, maybe aren't, aren't massive in scale or procurement's not been uh, you know, a specific function. Um, how do you recommend that a, a new procurement team maybe is established? You know, where do people start with that? Uh, we've just got a couple of minutes for the question. Um, I, I think you don't necessarily need to have a team. I think you just need to have somebody who's responsible and accountable for procurement and then you need to have a plan. So, Again, so many things in life follow the same sort of pattern, and I don't think procurement's necessarily unique. What you need to do is you need to sit down, find somebody who is accountable in your business, and that means kind of one person in, at least in my mind. So one person needs to be accountable. If you're a small business, that might be part of somebody's job. If you're a bigger business, that might be an individual or a group of people. But you need to decide who's accountable, and you need to start – you need to – Sit down, ask yourself the question, how do we get our supply chain to add more value, more innovation, better cost control, better performance, and you need to start a plan. And you know what? Once you start doing that, once you make somebody accountable and you start saying, we see supply chain and procurement as a way of adding value in our business, then that's when the magic starts to happen. Excellent. Now, we should talk a little bit about, about your services, Jeremy. Just tell us a little bit about your company, about Insider Procurement, and the kind of ways that you help people so we are a relatively uh, small business in scale we help we punch a lot above our weight though we help a lot of multinational businesses and uh, growing businesses so anything from 25 million pounds turnover generally speaking up is, is what we've been mostly concentrating on we, we sometimes do smaller businesses and what we help them do is get more out of their supply chain so we help them take cost out, we help them improve performance, we help them get better products and services out of the suppliers that they use, and we help their teams learn the tools and techniques to do that. And we're called Insider Procurement because we have a very, very experienced team to help us do that. So we like to talk about having the inside track, having um, knowledge and experience. So unlike uh, other consultancies that I've been on the other end of from a client perspective, we're not a bunch of young and bright people we're a bunch of people who've have been here done it got a t-shirt solved it and, and we're here to help people and show them um how to solve many of the problems which are common across businesses industries 
Excellent. <clears throat> Do you have any final messages that you'd like to leave us with? Um, start to think about how the role that procurement plays in your business, whether you're a tiny business, a small business, a startup, uh, or, a, or a larger business. Think about that supply chain as people who can help add value to your enterprise and start to challenge yourself and them to grow the value proposition. So what that means is get together with the suppliers that you use, whether you do that through a program or whether you do it more informally and challenge them and say, look, this is what our customer needs are. This is what we're looking to achieve. How can you help us get there? And, you know, don't delay on that. It doesn't have to be formal. Just get started. And, you, again, you'd be surprised at the uh, the benefits in profitability and in just general job satisfaction that you can drive out of that process. Excellent. Jeremy, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you today. Uh, thank you very much. Really enjoyed uh, talking to you about a subject we've not really covered on the show. We're, I think we're at 261 episodes now, so it's great to... Uh, to talk about procurement and have a think about how procurement can also be disruptive because we often think of marketing as being disruptive and people give it that label. Uh, so got lots of ideas and thoughts and things from the conversation. So, uh, so thank you. Yeah, thanks, Chris. It's been really great to be here. Excellent. And also just like to say to people, you know, if you want to find out more about insider procurement uh, and also I'd re- really recommend it. I enjoyed reading uh, Jeremy's uh, free ebook on disruptive procurement and you can get that from www.insiderpro.co.uk that's i-n-s-i-d-e-r pro that's p-r-o dot co.uk um, and I think it's a sort of book that uh, you know for anybody with a uh, I would say established procurement function uh, that uh, you know, gives you some ideas and thoughts about how you can be disruptive and, and not uh, linear um, so I reckon, recommend that you access that. I'd also recommend that um, if you're not in procurement, you're just listening to this out of interest, like if you know uh, people who are, you know, um, do yourself a favor and get a pat on the back by sending it across to, you know, maybe a you know, CEO that you might know or, you know, a, a head of procurement or, or, or anybody that you know in a large organization and share that because they will appreciate it. Um, it will, I'm sure, add value uh, to uh, their organization so once again a big thank you to jeremy bowley uh, i also want to mention next week's guest we're going to go from in, we're going to go from disruptive procurement to disruptive marketing next week um, with jeff colon and jeff is a, a senior marketeer in microsoft uh, he's also an author he's written about a, a book about disruptive procurement he speaks on big stages around the world as well um, so he's going to talk about how marketing can be disruptive. And uh, and also, I should mention the, the show the following week, we've got um, an amazing lady uh, coming up, uh, Anita de France. Anita is, uh, has been described as one of the, the 10 most influential women in sport globally. Um, she was the first um, African-American uh, and also the first uh, American woman to become um, a fully-fledged member of the International Olympic Committee. Uh, she's done some amazing things. So we're going to talk to her about her life um, uh, from the Olympics and uh, what she kind of learned from all of that. So that'll be a fascinating show too. So do join us again in the next few weeks. Lots more coming up. Any questions, comments, uh, send them to me at chris at chriscooper.co.uk uh, and I appreciate you listening. you for listening to the business elevation show please join your host chris cooper again next friday at 8 a.m u.s pacific time on the voice america business channel be more achieve more